Dear Lord, thank you so much for this uh, time that we have together, and I do pray that you would bless your word as it goes out, that uh, you would be greatly exalted in Jesus' name. Amen. And as I just mentioned, it didn't get recorded, but as I just mentioned, uh, the reality of, of um, the fact that we need to be, we need to be revived at times when we're in sin. We need to be, uh, uh, in a sense, renewed. And the only way that we're renewed is to look at the truth of God's graciousness, his promises, his goodness, and to see our sinfulness and to confess it, and to confess it. So with that in mind, I've decided to take a little detour today into Psalm 103. Would you turn with me to Psalm 103? And this is a Psalm of David. It's a Psalm of David. And in this Psalm, we have uh, a uh, Psalm from... Sorry, a little distracted here on this side. Uh, But uh, uh, we have a Psalm that David writes. And who is David? Uh, We know David was a man who knew the Lord. And yet he failed greatly, but he repented. When he was confronted by Nathan, David repented. And in Acts chapter 11, or Acts chapter 13, we have this said about David. And after he had removed him, speaking of Saul, uh, he raised up David to be their king, Acts chapter 13, actually, verse 32, or 22, concerning whom he testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. David was a man who would do the Lord's will, and we see he did, and yet he did suffer the consequences of his sin. But here we have a psalm concerning uh, David, and David sharing something concerning where his heart should be to the Lord, as we're going to see, and where our heart should be. Now, this psalm um, is uh, one that we are... uh, easily forgetful of. We're forgetful people. We're forgetful people. We need notes. We need reminders. We need things like that. We're forgetful people. But there are some things that we should forget not, that we should forget not. And we need to be reminded not to forget it. And that's what this psalm is about. Let's take a look at Psalm 103, uh, verse 1, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass as the flower of the field. So he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. 
and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them, to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, you perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is a wonderful psalm, and I'm not going to be able to look at every element of it and obviously the time that we have, but we should be able to see the, the most striking and important portions that we must not forget. And if you'll notice, this psalm is about blessing the Lord. And in fact, it's about the Lord. Uh, we have, if you've noticed when I read, there was uh, uh, 11 direct references to the Lord and uh, 20 indirect references. Indirect references, that's a lot. This is about the Lord. And who is the Lord? When we look in our Bibles in the Old Testament, we see uh, Lord in large caps, L-O-R-D. Uh, your Bibles will have a little note in the front how they translate things. That speaks of Yahweh, and that's the verb to be. It means to exist. He's the I am. He's the self-existent one. Uh, he is the Lord. He is the Lord God. And you might remember in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses was at the burning bush, he asked uh, the Lord who he should tell the Israelites his name was. And he said, I am Yahweh at Yahweh. I am who I am. That's the Lord is the Lord. He is who he is. He is the self-existent one. And so then we have uh, in our 18 verses, the Lord mentioned 11 times. And then, as I mentioned, 20 times indirectly. It's a lot. It's a lot. Now, secondly, this psalm is about blessing or praising the Lord. Blessing or praising the Lord. Indeed, the first verses 1 and 2 and the last verse ends with blessing the Lord. Blessing the Lord. Now, this speaks of praising, speaking well of, blessing the Lord. And so notice David begins, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, in verses 1 and 2, we have this phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We have it in verse 22, as I mentioned a moment ago. The term bless, Barak, could be translated to kneel or to praise. It speaks of worshipful words of, of blessing, in a sense, uh, speaking well of in the context of worship. It is a verbal acknowledgement of praise. And here, uh, David is saying this in the singular. He's not telling you, bless the Lord. He's not telling me, bless the Lord. Now we're going to see that's the application. He's telling himself. It's in the singular. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And we need to be reminded to speak well of the Lord. We need to be reminded, as we will see, to not forget his benefits. You know, you, you, we're all people. We're not, not loony or anything, but we do talk to ourselves at times. We remind ourselves of things, right? We say, oh, I got to go do that. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. We need to be telling ourselves, in a sense, this is a priority for us as believers. This is a priority for us. 
And so he says here, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's talking about his inner being, his inner man, his, his, his soul, his, his, his real person. We are, we are those uh, soul and spirit. We are in this body, but the real person's on the inside, right? And uh, in a negative sense, in Psalm 23, verse 7, we saw this yesterday in our men's time, uh, the wicked one who's trying to be deceitful as he thinks within himself, so he is. So he is, Psalm, or Proverbs, excuse me, Proverbs 23, verse 7. And so wh- how we think is really who we are. You are what you think. That's really the person, the inner man, the inner woman. That's who it is. And so David is telling himself, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all those in me, bless his name. Speak well of the Lord in your heart. Bless the Lord. Speak well of him. And now we're going to see there's much to speak well of. There's much to speak well of. And so we have it even in verse 2. Uh, he says, in the end of verse 1, bless his holy name. Bless him. He, he is a holy God, a God who is separated from sin. A holy God. Bless his holy name. And then he says in verse 2, he repeats it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So let me ask you this. Is your heart, in your heart of hearts, do you praise the Lord? Do you bless him? Do you praise him? Do you, do you speak well of him in your heart? Uh, do, you, do you think well of him uh, in, your, in, your, in your heart of hearts? So he's saying, hey, David, do this. David, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I can say, Greg, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And notice he says something else. There's two things, and they go together. And forget not his benefits. That's what we do. We sure remember all the problems in our lives. We sure remember all the difficulties. We remember all the people that aren't uh, uh, following the Lord or situations that happen, circumstances. We got all that in our heads. We got all kinds of stuff going on. But do we? Uh, we tend to forget some of the most important things, and we need to tell ourselves not to forget. Do not forget His benefits. His benefits. You could literally say it this way continually habitually don't forget his benefits and david's telling himself that he's not telling you and i we benefit by that he's telling us don't forget his benefits don't forget his benefits we should be saying that in our hearts our souls we should be saying that uh this term uh benefits uh spoke of the dealings of one's hands it could speak of recompense or repaying our kind deeds uh, don't forget his benefits, his kind deeds towards us. I remember when I was a kid, a little picture frame, and it said uh, at our house, forget not his benefits from this verse. Don't forget. Don't forget. Forget not. Um, we are prone to forget. We are prone to forget what the Lord has done towards us. And guess what? When we're not thinking of the Lord... And what he's done for us, we then see things wrongly in life. We see things wrongly. We, we overemphasize things. We, our faith is out the window, in a sense. We need to forget not his benefits. Now, uh, we could stop right here and say, wow, this is praise the Lord. This is what I need to do. And yes, we do. But David goes on and begins to explain what those benefits are he's going to go from the singular david bless the lord O my soul david uh forget not his benefits continually habitually don't forget it and then he's going to say 
something about what all of us should remember concerning his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 2, and forget none of his benefits. Verse 3, who pardons all, he doesn't say my at this point, he says your iniquities. They certainly were his pardon, but now it comes to us. Now we have the benefits spoken of here. Who pardons all your iniquities. You know, if you're a criminal and you've done wrong, and uh, let's say you're, you're sorry for what you've done, and you, 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 you seek a pardon from the governor, and the governor gives it to you, he's setting you free. The consequences of those sins are no longer yours in terms of the judgment and the condemnation. And for us, we have been pardoned. All our iniquities have been pardoned. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's the, the top of the, of the benefits. Forget it. Don't forget it. He is the God, he is the pardoner of our iniquities. You see, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even one. And uh, we see in the word that the wages of sin is death, right? Uh, All have fallen short, we see. That uh, there is eternal punishment for sin. The second death, separation from God in punishment forever. And black darkness, we see. But God is a gracious God, and God had a plan all along to bring us back into a right relationship with him by bringing forth salvation. Back in Genesis, after Adam and Eve sinned, God declared that Eve's seed would crush Satan's head, Genesis 3, that through Eve's human seed would come one who would defeat Satan's sin and death. And we see the gospel preached uh, in the promises of Abraham that in his seed all the nations would be blessed, Genesis 12:5. And in the Old Testament law given to Israel, we see, first of all, God's holy standards, which are not meetable, but then we see a provision for sacrifice for sin. We see those sacrifices which revealed there needed to be a death for sin, and they foreshadowed, pointed to the fact that Jesus Christ would die for our sins. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus Christ, a sinless, spotless Lamb that took on human flesh and lived the perfect life. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ died in our place. He took the penalty for our sins, And all he asks of us is to acknowledge our culpability and to turn to him for salvation from that sin and resulting judgment. To be saved from the wrath to come. To believe in Jesus. He died in our place. He died in our place. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. And when we turn to him for the forgiveness of sins, that's repentance, uh, he will forgive you. And we receive a pardon. We receive a pardon from the God of the universe. And that pardon isn't just for a few little sins. It is for all of our iniquities. That is massive, and we need to not forget that. We need to not forget that. In Psalm 32, David says, How blessed are the, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man in whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. We are so blessed wonderful grace of jesus we sang that right wonderful the matchless grace of jesus with tremendous reality of the forgiveness of sins through the grace of our 
gracious, gracious God. So David reveals the blessedness of those who have been forgiven here in Psalm 32. And then back in our passage, he reveals the first and primary benefit that we should not forget, who pardons all your iniquities. We know from Ephesians 1.7, in him, speaking of Christ, we have redemption through his blood. That means the price was paid that God requires for sin through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1.13, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The new covenant repeated from Jeremiah in the book of Hebrews. This is a covenant I will make with them after those days. Hebrews 10:16 says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their hearts. I will write uh, upon their mind. I will write them. And he says, and their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. And we have in the book of Acts, when uh, Peter is sharing the gospel to the Gentiles, sharing it to, to, to Cornelius, and we see that uh, he comes there and shares the gospel. And in the, in, the, in the very end, after sharing about Jesus Christ, he says, Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Tremendous, wonderful reality. And then look at our psalm, Psalm 103, a little farther down. Look a little farther down, verse uh, 8. The Lord, and we'll get to this again, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Just listen to this character. It's wonderful uh, how, how fall, short we fall. But we, we're going to be like him. He's making us like him. But uh, he goes on here. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor is he according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. They've been removed. We have been the benefactors of the greatest spiritual surgery ever. Our sins removed from us through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, We are those who have had our iniquities pardoned. Tremendous, wonderful reality. We sing the song. We didn't sing it today, but we sing it. I will sing of my Redeemer. Sing, O sing of my Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me on the cross. He sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. Don't forget his benefits. Now, we are forgetful if we're not in the Word of God, because that's where we see his benefits. That's where we are reminded of his benefits in his Word. I mentioned this and read this earlier during our, our, our offertory time. Micah 7.18, who is a God like thee who pardons iniquity? Who is a God like thee that would do this, that would pardon iniquity? We recognize our horrible sinfulness, and we have been pardoned. And he says here, uh, who is a God like thee who pardons our iniquity? And then he says, who pardons all your iniquities in our passage, David says. Who pardons all your iniquities. Wow, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Speak well of him in your heart of hearts to him, right? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. 
That's the most amazing thing. We could stop there. I mean, that is the key. That is the, the greatest benefit there is. Uh, we are massive benefactors. But he's going to go on. He's going to speak of how it affects us in other ways in terms of the healing we have and also how his character and compassion are towards us. That God has not only done a one-time act that he did and stepped away and we're, no wrong, we're not relating. We have a relationship with a compassionate loving, kind, merciful God, and we are benefactors of his character towards us. Back in our psalm, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Now, the term diseases here in the Old Testament often speaks of physical infirmities. And yet I think in light of the Hebrew parallelism here, which is often employed in the Psalms, I believe he's speaking of our spiritual diseases, which are sin. Now, certainly when we are glorified, all our diseases will be healed. That day will come. But uh, all of our spiritual disease has been and is healed. Our spiritual sickness was healed. First Peter uh, chapter uh, 2 he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, verse 24, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. By his wounds we were healed. We were healed through his death on the cross. Death on the cross. Uh, he took care of it all. Who heals. He departs your iniquities and heals all your disease. And then notice the next tremendous benefit we're not to forget. Who redeems your life from the pit. You know, if you are in a pit, that's a problem. If you're in a pit, that's a problem. The term pit, often in the Psalms, spoke of death. Look at Psalm 30, verse 3. Psalm 30, verse 3. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from Sheol, thou hast kept me alive, that I would not go down to the pit. Talks about death, often talks about death. It's used figuratively to speak of death. He redeems us, speaks of purchasing, paying the price to buy us back from death, from the pit. Uh, he also, uh, that also, pit also is used to speak of destruction and judgment for those who have rejected God. Look at Psalm 55, Psalm 55, 23, or you can just take a note and I'll read it for you. But thou, O God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. Speaks of the death and destruction that comes for sin, sinners, uh, and we see that. But he has bought us, he has paid the price uh, to redeem us from our sins and the eternal consequences of our sins. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. You don't need to do anything to make it up to God. You need to confess, and you need to believe, and you need to trust and that will produce a changed heart, which will bring about obedience. You don't need to do anything besides believing in Jesus. Don't try to make up anything. He redeemed it. He paid the full price. He is the one who did so. He is the one who did so. You see, Christ paid the penalty that our God demands. He paid the price. Um, we know that we were... Uh, 
not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from our futile way of life inherited from our forefathers, First Peter 1, but with precious blood as, a blood as of a lamb, unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 6, 19, Paul says, Or do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God with your body. We've been bought with a price. He paid the price. We are the redeemed. We are the redeemed. Our lives have been redeemed from hell and from, 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 the, from the eternal consequences of our sin. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we're forgiven. We are redeemed. Uh, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And then notice back in our passage, not only do we see these benefits related to uh, what he has done in the forgiveness of sins, which is primary, which is foundational. Notice he says, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. I love this. He crowns you. You think of someone who's crowned. It's, it's, a, it's a visible adornment. He crowns you with that. We'll talk about this loving kindness and compassion in a minute. Uh, this idea of uh, compassion, grace, and mercy towards us, his loving kindness, his hesed, his loyal love. He crowns you with that. That is upon you. That is upon me. He crowns your life with that. Man, let's not forget this stuff. We act like beggars spiritually at times. We act like we're so poor and we are so rich. We have everything pertaining to life in God through his word. Uh, we have been given every blessing in the heavenlies. Uh, we, we, the reality is we are wealthy spiritually because of Christ in our union with him who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Just think his compassion is towards you. His loving kindness is towards you. Man, we need to think differently uh, when we encounter difficulties or difficult people, whatever it might be. We need to think differently. And so here, tremendous loving kindness, compassion. Look down at verse 8. The Lord's compassionate and gracious. You know, his compassion and his graciousness is manifest in forgiveness. It's, it's manifest that. You know, someone who's compassionate and gracious is very forgiving. They don't hold on to things. They're not holding on to stuff. They don't have a list a mile long of what you've done. They're, they're giving it over. They're compassionate, gracious, you know, unmerited favor, kindness, love. But the Lord is the, is the, is the pinnacle of that, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. I was going to wait a little earlier to explain this down at verse 8, but let's go to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33. Because we see this is the character of, of our God. It's the character of our God that we need to not forget. Forget not his benefits. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I got to remind myself. So, uh, you know, tomorrow when you start getting in a sniffy attitude or action, go, no, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to think about him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Start praising him for his benefits. Start changing your heart and mind and think about what Jesus has done for you. When things come and difficult, you hear these difficult things come upon you. Go ahead and give it over to the Lord. Cast your cares upon him and then bless the Lord. i got to remind myself, Greg, bless the Lord. Greg, forget not his benefits. And we need to do that together. So look, uh, as we see here, look at Exodus 33, uh, verse uh, 18. Then Moses said, I pray thee, show me thy glory. This is a bull prayer. This is a bull prayer. Moses is, is going for it. He, he's saying, 
I pray you show me thy glory. This is bold. And what does the Lord say? And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I'll be gracious upon whom I'm gracious and show compassion on whom I will show compassion. And he goes and gives him a little more information and, and we see the situation build up and then if you go down to chapter 34 and uh, look down at verse 6. Then the Lord passed in front of him, that's speaking of Moses, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will not leave, by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children's and the ch- grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. And Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. The Lord, gracious... And compassion. That's his glory. His glory is manifest in what he did for us. His character. His character. Gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Those are wonderful characteristics that God wants to put in us as we abide in him and as he changes us and makes us more like Christ. You know, we're to be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger, right? We're to be like the Lord Jesus. But God has to make that happen in us, right? He does that. He works on us through his word. And so here, this is emphatic. He is compassionate and gracious. If we started thinking more about this stuff, we would really have a renewed uh, heart towards the circumstances and situations and people in our lives. We need to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. The term compassionate here, back in verse 4 and 8 and verse 13, speak of loving deeply. It uh, speaks of... Uh, of uh, even like a mother's understanding and love towards a child. There's a love and an understanding. There's an understanding of the child's maturity. There's a love that goes with that. It's compassion. It's compassion with knowledge and understanding, right? We see that. And the term translated gracious uh, in verse 8 conveys just that, graciousness, favor towards the undeserving. And the term translated slow to anger speaks of the Lord's patience and long-suffering in relationship to those who rightfully deserve anger. His slow to anger, his patience and long-suffering in relation to those who rightfully deserve his anger. Now, he is a gracious God. We saw uh, that in Exodus 34, but he will bring about punishment. But first and foremost, he's gracious. He's compassionate. He's merciful, and it is manifest in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the character of God. And notice he says, abundant and loving kindness, Rab Hasad. Uh, overflowing, overflowing loyal love. Overflowing loyal love. Have you ever had someone who loves you and is loyal to you? Isn't that wonderful? Well, God is overflowing in loyal love. Overflowing in that, and it's revealed in salvation. That's the character of God we shouldn't forget. That's the character of God we should bless the Lord with and repeat in our hearts and minds towards him. Thank you, Lord. You're such a gracious God. Thank you. You're so good to me. You're so kind and merciful and compassionate. Thank you so much. Forget not his benefits. Forget not his benefits. You know, we see he's slow to anger and his compassion revealed in forgiveness. Uh, Turn to Joel chapter 2. And this is interesting because Joel is in the midst of in the midst of God's judgment upon uh, the world for its sin and its purifying of the Jews to save them, but also judging those who wouldn't make it through 
didn't get saved. We see that two-thirds will, will perish. One-third will remain, uh, Zechariah chapter 14. And so we see in Joel, this is all about judgment. But everywhere you see judgment, right around the corner is God's character revealed in offering, uh, offering uh, salvation. Joel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Joel chapter 2, verse 11. And the Lord utters his voice before his army. Surely his camp is very great. For strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? It's talking about the day of the Lord, the day of God's wrath, okay? Yahweh's wrath. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting and weeping and mourning, and rend your heart, not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting in evil. That's his character. May we be like that too. And may we praise him for what, who he is and what he's done. We praise him for that. You know, Jonah understood God's compassion. He didn't like the Ninevites. He didn't like them at all because they were a rotten people. And yet God saved him. But Jonah didn't want him to be saved. And Jonah knew that if he went there and preached that God was compassionate and that God would relent if they repented and he would save them. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, But I, it was greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. You can see Jonah whining, right? Now, he understood it, but it didn't, he didn't apply it rightly. Later on, we'll see he does, I believe, at the end, that the book points to that in the close. Um, but here, we need to know that he is compassionate, he is gracious, he is kind, he relents in evil, he's, he's slow to anger. Wow, I should have been, been really booted out a long time ago. He could have, you know, before I came to faith, I should have died and gone to hell. You know that? And God was so gracious and so kind and so merciful. And even as a believer, I've done rotten stuff and he's forgiven me. He's so gracious, he's so kind, and so merciful, so merciful. So then, uh, look down at verse 8 again, verse 8 again, and back in our passage. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not only strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. This psalm is about God's gracious character. And we're going to see that also uh, in the repentance of those in Nehemiah. We're going to see that they, they recognize that God has been faithful. He has not uh, forsaken them, but he has disciplined them. And things are heavy on them, and they deserve it completely. But they see he's a compassionate God, a compassionate God, one who forgives, one who forgives. So then he is the God who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Uh, he's like a compassionate, loving father or mother. Uh, even look, look down at verse 13, Psalm 103. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. 
For he is mind, for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. He, we're but dust. He's compassionate. He's compassionate. This is God's character. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. If you're a true believer in Christ, you've been pardoned of your sin. You've been purchased life and purchased from the pit. You've been crowned with loving kindness and compassion. Forget not his benefits. And notice, uh, those benefits continue in this life even. Look at uh, verse 5, back in Psalm 103. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. He satisfies your years. Now, the King James, the New King James says satisfies your mouth, and they, they translate that because of the word satisfy, which they think has to do with eating, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, he satisfies your years. It's not just he gives you some good food that you're satisfied with. I don't think that's that really goes with the context of this psalm. I think the NASB does a better job. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The term satisfied means to be filled, to be sated, to be satisfied. He causes us. It's in a causal form. He causes us to be satisfied. Now, I guarantee that if you are not following Christ or you're in sin, you are not satisfied. You're looking for that satisfaction in everything and everywhere, and it ain't happening. Marriage one, marriage two, marriage three, marriage four, marriage five, whatever it might be. You're looking for it anywhere and everywhere, drugs and alcohol, whatever it is. It's not going to satisfy. But for the believer, we should not be looking that way anymore, right? Because he satisfies us our years with good things. And we know from Scripture that God is good, that God is gracious, and that his things are good. What he does is good. And it's only within that relationship with him that we're going to be satisfied with good. He does good in our lives. He's a good God. We can praise him for the good that he's done and the good that we see. And then it says he renewed, uh, your youth renewed like the eagle. Now, does this mean that all of a sudden you walk out of here and you've got a youthful step and a bounce in your legs? You know, is that what that means? That all of a sudden that? Well, I think the reality is, if you look at uh, Isaiah 40, where we see this, look at Isaiah 40. Though the youths grow weary and tired, Isaiah 40, verse 30, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I believe uh, this renewal speaks certainly of spiritual renewal and of spiritual strength. You know, we become very weary. We become, and when God renews us, he renews us, uh, we know that the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. We know uh, from Second Corinthians uh, chapter 4 uh, that uh, we're not to lose heart, verse 16, but though the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. He renews our strength. Now, certainly when we're glorified, we're going to run and not get tired. We're going to do all that. But right now, spiritually speaking, we're going to run and not get tired. He's going to renew us. gives us strength. He gives us strength to get through. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits. Forget none of his benefits. And then notice his kind deeds to all. We saw those benefits towards us, but he's got kind deeds towards everybody. 
Take a look at verse uh, verse six or verse yeah verse six here. Um, the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Uh, statement simply says the Lord does the right thing over and over again. He does the right thing over and over. His deeds are his works. The right thing over and over and over again. And judgments for the oppressed. For the oppressed. Now, initially, it's kind of troubling you. You go, wait a second. There's a lot who are oppressed and doesn't seem there's any help. Well, that's right now. We know that the Lord will make everything right. The term judgments, you could say it this way: executes of execution of justice. He's going to execute justice for those who are oppressed. He does what's right. And those who appear to be mistreated will be, will be, the judgments will be on their behalf for their benefit. He's going to take care of everything. God will right all the wrong deeds. He does what's right, but then he will right all that is wrong. He will execute judgment for all who are oppressed. That's speaking of his people, by the way. He's going to do that. He's going to take care of it. He's a righteous God, uh, one and and not one who is not covered by the blood of Christ will get away with anything. They're going to they're going to get their just desserts. But we've been pardoned. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God will make everything right. He will cause all things together to work together for good. So notice as we continue. Uh, we have these benefits, and we're going to see uh, and go through this a little faster for time's sake as we get towards the, the, the middle of this psalm here. But these are things that he did based on his kind character. Look at verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, or literally caused his ways to be known to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. You say, what type of benefit is this? Well, this is a tremendous benefit. You see, God revealed himself and made himself known to Moses and to Israel. God brought forth his word to Moses. He manifested his great power and his righteous ways to the sons of Israel when they were delivered uh, from the hand of Pharaoh. Uh, he revealed himself, even though the nation rejected him, apart from a remnant. And within that revelation, we have the truth concerning the I Am, uh, Jesus Christ, the one who would die for our sins, the suffering servant. And so David goes on to point out specifically concerning revelation that God gave Moses and Israel that we're not to forget it. He's revealed himself. We can see who he is in his revelation to Moses and Israel. It's in the word of God. It's in the word of God. The Lord is compassionate, gracious. And we read this earlier, slow to anger, bounding in loving kindness. We've, we've looked at this. This has to do with... Uh, the reality of the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. Tremendous, wonderful reality. It says here, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. That was David and Israel at that time. Uh, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. We all cannot identify with that, right? So God was very angry with Israel. And he did strive. Oh, there we go. And he did strive with them, right? He was very angry, uh, but he would not keep his anger forever. We're going to see this in Nehemiah, that God was angry with him, and they got their just desserts for their sin in God's gracious discipline, but he never left them. He never forsook them. He's still compassionate. We see this. He doesn't keep his anger forever. 
And so David goes past uh, the nation here also to those who fear God. Notice this. Look at verse 9. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And then look at verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards who? It's not just Israel, towards those who fear him. You know, it's when we are forgiven uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, we gain a fear of the Lord. We didn't have it before. Uh, Psalm 130, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. He forgives us that we would see him rightly. We would revere him rightly because we didn't do it before. Sin was in the way. And so then we have this fear. And look at a little farther down because we kind of sort of finish up here uh, in verse uh, 17. Notice the idea of fearing and obeying together. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting, verse 17, on those who fear him and his righteousness, children's children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. You remember God's word. You're at work and you remember, oh, I want to work hardly unto you and not unto men. You're, 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 you're in your household. You remember, I need to dwell with my wife in an understanding way. You remember, oh, I need to have a gentle and quiet spirit. Lord God, help me. You remember his ways to do them. You remember that let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth except that was for edification. You remember his things to do them. You remember his things to do them, his, his truth. And so then, um, our transgressions have been removed since those who fear him. So we should bless the Lord. We should uh, uh, forget not his benefits. Look at verse 13. Just as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. He's so gracious, so compassionate. He knows our frame. He knows our frame. He knows we are made out of dust. We're, 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 we are very weak in this humanity, in this, this human condition in a sense, this, this, this flesh suit, right? Soon we'll be glorified, but we're, we're weak. And he's mindful. He has compassion. He has compassion. Don't forget his benefits. He has compassion towards us. He cares for us. He's mindful of us. You know, Jesus said in the New Testament that uh, even the hairs of our head are numbered. That's a lot of numbering to do. They keep falling out, right? But uh, you got to keep changing those numbers, right? Um, but he's aware of us, right? He's aware of us. So then notice here, uh, in light of that, David begins his conclusion about the brevity of mankind, the brevity of our time on earth, in light of God's sovereignty over everything. Verse thirteen or verse fifteen, as as for men, his days are like grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. It's like grass, you know, it uh, grows up quick, nice and green, and it dies, and the wind blows it away, blows it uh, away. But in contrast, the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. 
those who are walking with him, obeying him, right, and fear him. The reality is um, this life's a vapor, but God's loving kindness is eternal. It's eternal. Uh, and then notice um, he's established overall so that uh, everyone, the, the angels are blessing, his works are blessing, bless the Lord, we should be blessing him too, right? Look at verse uh, 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. He's established immovable. He's overall. Bless the Lord. Everything's under control. Things aren't out of control. He's sovereign over everything. He's mindful of us. He's compassionate. Bless the Lord. Verse 20, bless the Lord, you his angels. Those are his ministering spirits, those who do his will, right? Mighty in strength, you perform his word, obey the voice of his word. They do it. God says it and they do it. And they do it. Uh, Bless the Lord. Angels bless the Lord. Speak well of him. Uh, And then we see here, bless the Lord, all you his hosts or his armies. So it's a parallel statement. You who serve him, doing his will. I believe that speaks of angels in parallel. Those who serve him, but also fight for him in a sense. Right? They're, they fight for him. And then verse, look at 22. Bless the Lord, all you his works of his, in all places of his dominion. Here we have the expectation of all his works to bless his name, where he has dominion. We are his workmanship. Bless the Lord, right? Bless the Lord. And lastly, David personifies it or personalizes it again emphatically. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So the question is, has your soul been blessing the Lord lately? What's your soul been doing? What's your insides been doing? What's your heart been doing? Have you been blessing the Lord, thanking God for who he is and what he's done? Thanking him for pardoning your iniquity for forgiving your sins for his compassion and graciousness and kindness towards us his mindfulness his concern his sovereignty over all have you blessed the lord well david says to himself and we should say to ourselves bless the lord all my soul well with this in mind do you forget his benefits some of you don't think of them because you don't know them, and you can know them today. If you've recognized you're a sinner in need of salvation, turn to Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And for those of us who maybe haven't been blessing him as much as we should, for those of us who maybe been forgetting a little too much, we need to just share that with the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry I haven't done that. Help me to keep my heart and mind on you, that I would praise you and thank you for who you are that I would not forget your benefits. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for David and this exhortation by your spirit through him to us. Lord, may we bless you with all our heart, and may we forget not your benefits. Pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. And John, if we could close with the wonderful grace of Jesus.